Okay, three people. Okay. The, the other, other rest of us, we need to touch those three people <clears throat> gently. Just, uh, but just, just because there is, there is an atmosphere in here that is conducive to the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Amen. If you want to break through this morning, then open yourself up. Be ready and receive what the Holy Spirit wants you to receive. And it doesn't have to be through the Word. You might have already missed your opportunity through the worship. Amen. So don't let it go again. Just, just be ready. Grab a hold of whatever God has got for you. Uh, very exciting. We live in such exciting times. And, uh, and, and just for, uh, for Julie and I, we were able to go right across the board and see all different types of churches uh, around the world and uh, see what God is doing. Sometimes, you know, we get sort of, we just, you know, we're in our own church and we sort of don't see too much going on. But when you hear what really is going on, you need to get excited because God is an incredible God. God is still the God of miracles, even if He's not working in your life life than he's working in someone else's life. And if that means he's working in someone else's life, it means that you're not ready for it. So you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to prepare the ground. You've got to get everything ready. If you want to harvest, then you've got to plow the, plow the ground first. Come on. You don't just get a harvest. You've got to do the hard work, the hard yards, and you've got to prepare everything. And so there's a lot of preparation that I see that has been going on. And sometimes we can just look at the victories and say, well, that was easy. But you don't understand everything that's gone on beforehand to get to that place of victory, to get to that place of harvest. There was a lot of work that was going in. I mean, I, I see that in, in, uh, in Pastor Brad's life. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of work that's gone in to see where he is now in the way that, that success Successful business person, successful pastor, and, and you understand that he probably does more coaching than he does pastoring. So, so, and and that's 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 not bad. Because that's what God has got on his life, that, that he's able to be able to do both. And God's giving that ability to do both. And sometimes, you know, we don't receive one, one side of that and we miss out on what is God because he's already paid the price for those things that he's able to, he's wanting to release it. He's wanting to give it. He's wanting to sow those seeds that, that he has into our lives. Amen. So it's exciting times that we're living in. And the 31st of July is going to be an amazing day that we're going to be able to come to this place and invite others so that they can also receive some of those seeds that was going to, that's going to grow and produce so much fruit in our lives. Amen. That's, see, when you, when you have a look at what the Bible says and what God says, He, he loves a person who produces fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because, why? It was, it, was full of, it was full of leaves. It looked great. It looked fantastic. But there was no fruit. And he cursed that thing. See, sometimes we're like that. Yeah, we, we can look good. We can shout. We can praise God. And we can, we can act. And we can look really great. And, and listen, you, know, you, you might be producing a lot of leaves and branches, which is good for some shade. But that's about all. Because there's no fruit. So you gotta, you got to allow God to bring fruit upon you so that it's not about you looking good. It's about what can I help? How can I help others? How can I produce fruit so others can, can, can grab a hold of the breakthroughs that I've even made? Come on. Hallelujah. 
Exciting times, I tell you. You know, we have just come back, as, as Brad, Pastor Brad was talking about, we come back from uh, Seoul in Korea. Uh, amazing things are happening. Uh, we just believe it's part of the anointing that when, as we went over to CI and grabbed a hold of that, that breath of God anointing, something has changed. We're seeing songs here about going from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Because I believe that if you want the, the next level of glory, see, see the, the, the levels of glory will depend on how much you want to go into God. How deep do you want to go into God? Because that will take you to another level of glory. And then people will start to see that you're, that you're fair dink and that you really want to press into God because another level of glory will start to show. And it's not us. We're not revealing our glory. We're revealing His glory. And so there's so much more that God has got for us. Don't, loot, don't miss out on it. And that's why I'm excited to see what God has been doing. And this, this breath of God that we've been seeing, uh, especially you know, Julie is going to be here next week, and this message that really has touched people's lives and, and inspired people and, and has set so many people free. You need to be here. Invite somebody next Sunday. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, I, I, I got so much to say in, in such a little time. So we need to, we need to pray. Father, right now, we thank you, Lord, for your, for doing a quick work right now, today. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, that apostolic wisdom and that prophetic revelation. Lord, let it be upon us today as we hear your word, Father. Lord, what your spirit is saying to the church today. We hear it. We understand it. And we move in that right now. Father, we are making room for you right now to come and to do what you need to do in our lives this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I want to share a message. I, I shared this uh, last year at one of the uh, impact meetings, but I really felt like uh, as I've been sharing this uh, lately, there's been more and more understanding and more and more of the, the timing in everything. You know, you understand when God releases a word sometimes, you don't fully understand it. And sometimes we're releasing words, it's like, we, we know that it's God, but it's just not fully understanding that. But then as time goes by, you start to see what God's doing. You start to understand a little bit more about what that word really means now, because we're further along. We understand a bit more, we've got a bit more revelation, and so now we're coming into this time. And so this message uh, entitled Gravestones and Milestones, I want to share with you, because the place of your biggest challenge or your biggest battle can either be marked with a gravestone or a milestone. It's your choice. Come on. It's your choice. You can allow the enemy to defeat you and that'll be, that'll be your gravestone. Or you can defeat him and it'll be your milestone so that you can start to set that up to get to another level. Use it as a stepping stone to your next breakthrough. So there is going to be some things. Listen, the gravestone is a marker symbolizing where someone died. That's it, you're finished, it's the end of the road. Where a milestone or a memorial stone is a marker along that road of life in remembrance of what God has done. It's where a significant event took place, a breakthrough or a turning point, usually where there's been divine intervention or uh, something miraculous has happened. It's a real breakthrough, it's a real pushing through. It's something that you can say, yep, that was a turning point, that was a milestone. Now let me say this, that there's going to be some gravestones littering our pathway. Because like these, there'll be, um, you know, when you, when you got born again. There's a milestone, amen? Yeah. But there's also a gravestone, because someone else died, <laughs> amen? Be, uh, being baptized in water, 
Gravestone, milestone. Because it's both. Because the old, the old you died. Now you are a new creation. So, so there's going to be some gravestones along the way. Uh, I, I used to swear like a trooper. Not that I've ever heard a trooper, but anyway. Um, I used to swear. And, and so, but, but when I got water baptized, that was the end of that. So there was a gravestone there about me never, being, never swearing again, uh, having to deal with alcohol. That was another, that when I got the breakthrough on that, there was another gravestone. So there are some good gravestones along the way, which also can be milestones as well. So in your own life, can you think of anything that could be classed as, yeah, I've got a few milestones. Listen, there's not many things that God says to you know, look back in the past on, but there are some good things that He says, look back on what I've done in your life. Look at the good things. Look at the good things. Look at the breakthroughs. Look at, look at where I come in. You may, you may thought it was all you, but God says, no, 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 I helped you in that area. And this is where we've got to get past us, past I, us, me, myself. We've got to get past this and say, God, it was you. There was no way I could break that off my life apart from you had to have been there and giving me the strength in that area. So there's going to be some of these, these uh, uh, gravestones along the way, anger, selfishness, all these things, gravestones. Listen, there's nothing that you're in right now that God can't get you out of. Absolutely nothing. Nothing that you're in. Doesn't matter how far, how deep you're down, how far you're stuck in that miry clay, does not matter one bit. Because God is able to take you out and bring you back on that solid foundation. So what's the Lord showing you right now about the challenge that you're facing? Because we're all, we're all challenging, facing challenges. We're all facing something that is, is wanting to bring a death. That's wanting to bring a stop to us. That's the, that, you know, Because when we're saying, God, I want more of you, what's the enemy saying? No, 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 I want you to have less. Come on, what's the, what's the devil doing? I don't want you to know God more because when you start to really understand how he, how he is and who he is, you'll, you'll never go back. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to get a wedge. He's trying to bring a, 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 that gravestone there to stop you. That, that'll be it. No more. So you've got to push through. You've got to make sure that that, that gravestone is now going to be a milestone. <laughs> That's going to be a milestone. Wow, that nearly stopped me. But boy, praise God, I pushed through. Praise God, you gave me the strength to overcome that. And now look at where I am. Look at that, those things are way back in the past now. The milestones, the, the, the gravestones along your pathway. God has got those for you. So what are you seeing in your challenge right now? What are you facing? See, how we interpret what we're seeing. Sometimes what we do, we interpret by our feelings. Well, this is not good. This, this definitely can't be God. This is, this is not the way Jesus wants me to walk because it would be so easy. Because it was just so easy just to go down and, and, and ask Jesus into my life. It was so free and easy and it's like, yay, now I'm born again. <laughs> Woohoo! And now it's tough and it's, now it's hard. Well, that can't be Jesus. That can't be God. But we understand is like, of course it is. It's, it's, there's a breakthrough point. And, and, and our emotions, don't go by your emotions. We feel good about it, and then the next day we feel terrible. It, we're up and down all over the place. So we don't go by our emotions or our feelings because they will take us in all sorts of directions. Look at the children of Israel at the Red Sea. We could say well, that, that was a gravestone or a milestone because, I mean, 
looking at the story now, looking at the Bible, we understand that it was really, it was a milestone. But put yourself in their position. As Moses is leading them out, they're coming out victorious. They're coming out in an amazing way that God brought them out in, from, from bondage and all the, the, the goods that they carry. They come out multi-millionaires. Here they come out, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're positioned down at the Red Sea. And it was like, they're having a great time. It's like, yay, we're free. And it's like, look at what we can, we can do anything we want now. We don't have to make bricks. <laughs> yay. And so they'd be sitting there having a party. All of a sudden, it's like, what's that noise? What's that noise? It's like, and then someone says, oh, it's the Egyptian army. Oh. It's like, hang on a sec. You just come out victorious. And it's like, you just saw what God had done in the amazing, come on. I spoke in the message about Goshen. Come on, these, this is where God's people lived in Goshen. They were, the, they were the ones making the bricks. But listen, not one plague touched, the, touched God's people living in Goshen. Everything happened to the, Israel, to, the, to the Egyptians. Everything that was going on happened to them. But God kept His people. So you think He's going to be dumb enough to lead, leave you, you know, in that place where He's just saved you out of Egypt. And they couldn't understand that. God could have just left them there. It's like, uh, I really don't want to take them to, to the Red Sea and, and kill them. Let's just kill them now. Come on, it would, have been, it would have been a lot easier. And so this is the mentality of these Israelites. So soon after an incredible breakthrough. Come on, we're not, we're not so dislike these guys. Then we get an amazing breakthrough and then the next challenge comes along. It's like, oh God, what are you doing? I can't take it anymore. We want to go back. But God's saying, well, listen, hang on. What did I just do for you? Weren't you in another situation that you couldn't get out of, but I brought you out? Don't you think I can do that again? If I did it then, do you think I can do it again? If I did it for them, don't you think God can do it for you? Come on. And here they are, terrified. Their, their emotions are all up over the place. All of a sudden they're victorious. Because it says uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 18, it says, So God led the people out uh, uh, around by the desert uh, to the Red Sea. And it says that the Israelites went out of Egypt ready for battle. They were pumped. They were ready for battle. We're coming out and we're ready for battle. No one get in my way. <laughs> oh, oh no, it's the sea. <laughs> well, we were ready for a battle. How can we fight a sea? See, God just wanted to mess with their mind, <laughs> I think. Come on, any, any enemy comes against us. Whew, we got God. <laughs> oh, you just see what he did back in Egypt. Woo, come on. Oh, it's a sea. Oh, oh, we're going to die. It's a sea. <laughs> we can't find a sea. God can't find a sea for us. It's a sea. We're going to die. Come on. This, this is exactly what it says. As if God isn't big enough to deliver them. But they went with their emotions. They went with their feelings. We've got to be so careful that we don't do the same thing. That we go by our emotions, we go by our feelings, what we feel. 
What we look at a situation and say, God, I can't see a way out of this. Oh, God, I, I know that you delivered me back there, but this is bigger. This is worse. Oh, doesn't matter. You see, God wanted them to look at the Red Sea not as their gravestone, but as their milestone. Because he positioned them exactly at the right place. Come on, God is positioning you exactly at the right place. And you're thinking, I can't get out of this. I can't do this, God. It's bigger than me. And God says, exactly, you're at the right place. I've got you there because I want to show you something. I want to show you my mighty deliverance, but I want to show you that this is not going to be a gravestone where you're going to end up and and finish up. God says, I want you to see just as the Red Sea was going to be a doorway into the promised land. God says, I'm going to do the same thing with you. There's doorways that God has you to be positioned at. You're not going to die at the doorway. Well, I hope you won't. So close to the breakthrough, so close. You die at the finish line. Oh, man, you're an inch from finishing. It's like, why couldn't you just get going a little bit more? The Red Sea was their gateway into the promised land. God wanted them to see that. God wants you to see that. See, look at the David against Goliath. Gravestone or milestone. When you, when you look in the natural, it looks like here's a little 13-year-old boy up against a seasoned giant that has slayed you know, hundreds of, of men, you know, you know, greats and mighty army and all this sort of stuff. I mean, when the natural, you, th- you think this is going to be David's gravestone right there. You might, as well, you might as well start chipping that thing out right now. Because this is, we're pinning, we're pinning the whole of the empire of the Israelites, God's people, on a little teenage boy that's going out to meet a giant of a man. Come on. His obituary would have been, okay, let's get that printed because it's imminent. It's going to happen. But there was something upon this young boy's life that wasn't upon anybody else. It said that Samuel had anointed David. And I tell you what, that anointing comes out at exactly the right time. Whether you feel it or not, you're still anointed. But I tell you, in that place where you need the victory, where you need the breakthrough, that's when the anointing all of a sudden, it it just destroys everything of the flesh. And all of a sudden you rise up and all of a sudden you'll be starting to say, how dare you, you uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you stop the armies of the living God? I tell you, your head is coming off today and I'm going to feed your bones and your flesh to to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. How dare you? Listen, whether, whether he wanted to say that or not, or whether he said, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I was just delivering some cheese to me brothers. <laughs> and, and, and now look at me. Here I am thrust into the battlefield. <laughs> I don't know how I got here. God knows exactly how you got there. And sometimes he 
makes it the way that you don't even fully understand. Or it's like, yeah, you say yes to something that you really didn't really know what the answer was, the question was. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, come on. It's like you get there, it's like, what did I say? <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. And God says, exactly, you cannot do this. You can't do this. I've led you here. I brought you here. It says that he led the Israelites to that very place. Listen, God is big enough. He knows how to lead you and guide you. And sometimes you don't want to go, but sometimes he'll just make things uncomfortable where he'll just have to get you to that place. Come on, by hook or by crook, (laughs) he'll get you to that place. Whether you want to go or whether you don't want to go, he's got ways. David finds himself there. And it says, Saul, King Saul says, well, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, but listen, you're going to need all the help you can get. You better, you better have my armor. You better put on my armor. You're going to need this. You're going to need something, little boy. And so he puts it on because he honors the king. And he's a little teenage boy with a man's armor. Dragging on the ground now, can hardly even walk. Probably fall over a few times. Like, yeah, she right, King. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but he, he, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, no, no, no. Thank you very much, but I can't use this. I can't wear this. It says that he took into the battle. It says he took in his staff. And he took in five smooth stones, slingshot and his staff. Listen, don't take anything into the battle that you haven't already tested. Come on. If you haven't tested, don't take it in the battle and try and test it. Test it beforehand. And see, that's exactly why Saul wanted him to test it out. Test out, test out my armor. Because if that would have been the thing that brought the victory, Saul would have said, Hards, I tell you, so, told you so. You're so glad I got my armor on you and I'm the big savior now. See, that's what God wants you to take, take into the battle. Nothing that we can say it was us, it was him, it was them, it was all those. No, we can go in the battle and we can say, God, this is your victory right now. I can't do anything here. It's totally impossible. Come on, a young teenage boy, totally impossible fighting a, a giant eight foot something guy. And I believe it doesn't matter how David slung that, that rock. I mean, he might have just, you know, I'm just going to... And it might have been going out there and all of a sudden God says, Whoa, David, hey, your aim's a bit off that right now. I'm going to... Boom! How did he do that? It's a boomerang rock. <laughs> and it says that that rock would have hit Goliath the same impact of a .22 caliber bullet. Come on. When God does something, He can show off. Come on, He can show off. Let's not us show off how good we are. Come on, if you just be, if you, like Julia said, if you show up, God will show off. He just wants you on the battlefield so that he, you, you are there and you know you know nothing. I cannot do anything here. But God, I know in your strength, I know you've got a battle plan. I know you've got a strategy, God. What is it? Take into the battle what you've already tested. It 
says the enemy despised David. Don't know why. Never saw him before. <laughs> huh? Despised him. Listen, the enemy will despise you. And you say, well, I haven't done anything. <laughs> I'm a lovable guy. Everyone likes me. Why don't you like me? Shut up! Come on. Despise David. It says, and it says, the Philistine cursed David. Cursed him. Cursed him down. Some people would just come up and say, hey, how are you going? Get out of my way. <laughs> okay. It's like, what's wrong with them? Yeah, it's because you're in the room, because you're in that. You got the presence of God all around you. There's something that you carry that some people just cannot take. They cannot handle. And they hate you for no reason at all. Just because of who you are, just because of who you carry. (laughs) Come on, we are not afraid. We're going to carry we're going to carry Jesus wherever we go. We just don't leave Jesus at the door here. We don't pick him up on the way through. It's like, hey, Jesus, oh, hey, had a great week. How was yours? Yeah, great. Okay, yeah, it was a great meeting today. Okay, thanks, Jesus. We'll see you next week and go out the front door. Leave Jesus in the church. Well, hey, that's where he deserves. That's where, that's where he should be. Yeah, he's in the church. No, he's not. <laughs> when you have a look at the New Testament, most of Jesus' miracles were done outside the church. Take him with you <laughs> to work, to play. Take him, take him with you everywhere you go. I said, I believe that this year the Lord showed me that the enemy's pride and arrogance and confidence is going to be shattered. When the enemy says you can't do something, God says, wait for my strategy and watch him eat his words. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to see the devil eat his words. Honestly, it's like the devil says, you can't do that. And it's like, well, just watch me. See, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. This is, this is the, the verse that the Lord gave me this year, beginning of this year. It says, the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. Now, the Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame will ward you off. <laughs> It says they thought that David cannot get in to the city. They thought you cannot get in here. You cannot get in here. Even, even the lame and the blind. What, what are they saying? Everybody, anybody can stop you from getting in here. You, you cannot get in. We've locked it up. We've shut it up. You cannot get in. And I love verse 7. The first word. Nevertheless, <laughs> that's a God word. Come on, that's a God word. That, the anointing of God is all over that. Nevertheless, listen, it doesn't matter what the enemy says. You cannot get in here. This is not your job. This is not your field. This is not your place. You cannot get in here. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. You want a prophetic word? Here it is. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. I tell you what, you can, you can grab a hold of that and you, and you can just keep on. You don't have to play it over and over again because there's only one word. You, you can remember that. Even I can remember that. What was your prophetic words this week? Nevertheless. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, good. Yeah, what was your word? Nevertheless. 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 It says David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. See, a fortress is built to keep people out. But God gave David the strategy to take the city by going in the underground uh, water system. And David renames the city. No longer Zion, but now it's the city of David. Come on. I've, I've renamed some cities, some territories. The city of Greg. <laughs> Territory of Greg. Come on. This is... Come on, you, listen, you can only rename something that you captured. You can only change the name by something that you have taken by force and God has given you the strategy. And then you can change the name. Come on, I want to hear some territory change in names coming on. God's going to give you the strategy on how to do it. Don't think it's going to be done just a, just a normal way. Because that's what the enemy thought. Ah, it's going to be done this way. But God says, i got another way. Joseph left in the pit to die. It could have been his gravestone or it could have been a milestone. Come on, his brothers wanted it to be a gravestone. Well, that's it. I'm sorry, Dad. He's dead. You know, here's his, here's his jacket. And I don't know whose jacket this is. Come on. You don't tell me you don't know whose jacket that is. You despise him because of that jacket. That coat of many colors. I, I, I don't know who this is. You're a liar. Bunch of lies. They would have known. Here he comes. Yeah, that jacket. That coat. <laughs> and he gives it to his dad. Oh, dad, I don't know who this is, but there's blood all over it. They want it to be Joseph's gravestone, but I tell you what, God had other ideas. God had other ideas. That was his milestone. They thought that that was the end of Joseph. That's the end of this dreamer. That's the end of all of all the, the, our dad's attention going to one, one brother. That's the end of it all. Now dad will love us. That made it worse for him. All he did was just pine for the son. God had other ideas. Come on. God turned the whole situation around. Elijah ran away and hid in the cave because he thought he was the only one left. Elijah ran away. It's like, God, I'm in the cave here. It's like, yeah, they're all, they're all killing all the prophets. They're killing everybody. But I just escaped by the barest of middle. They, they don't know I'm here. Whew, God, let's just stay here now. Let's just build this cave nice and comfy and, and I'll just live out my life because no one else is left. There's nobody. And what did God say? Elijah, come on. <laughs> You're trying to save your body. <laughs> You're trying to save your skin. You're trying to save yourself. Come on. I mean, again, you look at all the things that Elijah had done. And how God had kept him safe and how God did this for him and, and the amazing things that God had done. And all of a sudden now he thinks like, God, they're trying to kill me and I've just escaped. If they would have killed me, that would have been the end. Or no more religion. That would have been the end. God has gone. I just want to say something to you, Elijah. 
Uh, thanks, for, thanks for what you've been doing. Yeah, really appreciate that. Great, great work. But listen, I've got 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee to any other God and who are, who are for me. Elijah goes, what? 7,000? It's like, where are they? And God says, I'm going to tuck way all over the place. See, when you think you're the only one, when you think you're the last hope on earth, God says, you're thinking a little bit too big of yourself, buddy. <laughs> a little bit big for your britches there. I'm just going to bring you down to earth. I haven't got three other people. I got 7,000. Come on. I mean, it would, have been, it would have been pretty good if he had three or four others. It's like, oh, yes, I'm not alone. <laughs> but God just wanted to share with Elijah how many he had around. 7,000. 7,000. So he says to Elijah, listen, this is not going to be your gravestone. You're not going to die here. Uh, you're going to die, but not here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're, we're all going to die. But he says, not here. In actual fact, I want you to go back to the ones who are trying to kill you and finish the job. Come on, he's not going to do the job for you. Oh, Elijah, I didn't know they wanted to kill you. Sorry, mate. Oh, man. Yeah, listen, I've, I prepared a nice little cave over here for you. I'm glad you found it. Wow. I didn't think it was that tough on earth, man. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me. Because it says that Elijah said everything twice, just in case God didn't hear the first time. And so God answers Elijah twice, just because he might have thought Elijah didn't hear him the first time. <laughs> so he says, that's, that's terrible. I'm going to keep you here. I'll, I'll just do everything. I'll, I'll just raise up, you know, the 7,000 others, I'll just get someone else to do your job. No, no, no. He doesn't do that at all. He says, you've got a job to do it. I want you to get back and face those things. Face your giants. Face those things that are trying to take you out. Don't develop a spirit of fear. Come on. Or a spirit of failure. Running away. Ooh. Don't run away. Come on. Be like David. Run to the battle. Run to Goliath. And so he says to Elijah, get back and do your job. Get back and finish what I asked you to finish. And by the way, I've got a few other things I want you to do as well. So you're not just going to finish the job. I'm going to give you some other jobs. Come on, you're going to anoint this one as king over here. And you're going to anoint Elisha. You're going to have a successor. You're going to be able to impart to others. You're going to be able to train others up. Come on, you're not finished. Don't run away. God wants you to input to others. Saul, <laughs> Saul, who God changed his name to Paul. Amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he was out there killing all the Christians. Come on. He was killing them all off. All of a sudden, on his way to Damascus, God meets him. 
And I tell you what, a lot of Christians around at that time may have been watching, watching where Saul's going. It's like, oh, God's got him. <laughs> Yay, kill him. Kill him, God. <laughs> Knock him to the ground. Rain hailstones and sulfur and fire. Kill him. He's been killing us, making everything so hard for us. God says, no, I'm going to cause him to be an amazing disciple, an amazing apostle. He's going to start churches. He's going to raise up others. He's going to, he's going to be my man. And people are going, what? No, no, no. We, 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 must, have, we must have a wild cry. That's not the, that, you're, not, you're not saying that about Saul. That can't be the man. You must be talking about someone else. God can use anybody through a total repentance, through a total amazing encounter with God. All of a sudden, he goes from persecuting and killing and throwing Christians into jail to being one himself, to starting churches, to impacting not just communities, but nations. (laughs) Come on. Some people wanted to be a gravestone but God says no no it's going to be a milestone <laughs> I look at the widow and her son at Zarephath could have been their gravestone First Kings chapter 17 talks about they had one meal left and then they were going to die I mean this is this is this is imminent one meal left that's it so what does God do God sends the prophet Elisha uh, sorry Elijah to 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 the widow and Elijah gets there and, uh, and he's looking around and God says, this is the one here. It's like, oh, okay, out collecting you know, some sticks. Good, good, yeah, got a good feed. Gets up to her and it's like, oh, 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 I'm just going to have a meal with my son and then we're going to die. Oh, why is that? Because we've got no food. Hmm. Elijah thinks, I'm a little bit peckish. I need to come to forever next week. Because I hear they've got to have food after the service. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, really? Oh, man, I was just so hungry. I, I just felt like a bit of bread. Uh, can, you, can you just get us a bit of water first? Yeah, sure, no problem. Oh, and, and while you're at that, just make me a little bit of bread. Huh? What are you saying, Willis? What are you, what are you, what are you saying? It's like, you want me to make, make you? I just said we're going to have a little bit of bread, and it's like that's our last meal, and we're going to die. Can you imagine what this woman would have been like anyway? She would have been, she would have been a stick. She probably would have been picking up a leg, thinking it's a stick. Was like, oh, oh, it's my leg. Oh, sorry. Come on. If you're going to have your last meal, you don't pig out on everything, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to leave one little bit for last. Come on, if you were real about this, if you really had to look at rationing your food to make it last, you don't eat everything and just have one little bit at the end. You ration it out as much as you possibly, just that that's little bit, just to intake, just to give you enough energy to go out and collect some more sticks and bring it back again. That woman would have been so thin and so frail. So where does God send the prophet? To this woman. See, I don't believe God got it wrong at all. Why didn't he send him to a wealthy widow or even a wealthy family that had plenty of money, plenty of food? Because this woman needed a miracle. 
She needed what Elijah was carrying. She needed to hear the word. And the word says, make me a little cake. And she's going, so, well, you know, I haven't got too much and whatever. And, and so the prophet goes, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Do, do what you want. Do what you need to do. But do this first. See, it's almost like when God says you, asks you to do something. Oh, God, I can't do this. I can't speak properly. It's like I've never done that before. And it's like God saying, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, but do this first. <laughs> do what I've asked you to do first. Because when you do that, you realize that you are stronger than you thought. You realize that God is bigger than your situation. Because when you do what He asks you to do first, everything else just fails into insignificance. It just, it just, it just, you don't even have to do that. Come on. When you do what He asks you to do first, what you thought was more important all of a sudden is not even important. Well, I'm, we're just going to eat this and die. But if you would do this first, see, the prophet wasn't going to spell it out word by word to her. Listen, listen, woman, I know you're nearly at death and you're going to die after you have this meal. But listen first. Do what I ask you to do. Do what I ask you to do first. And then we see the incredible miracle because she did what God had asked her to do first. And her and her son didn't die. Not then. They had enough. More than enough. More than enough. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain again. Interesting. Zarephath means refining and purging. God is sending us to our Zarephath. Refining, purging. Lazarus, uh, you know, we're going to finish on this. We're going to finish with Lazarus. Lazarus, dead, four days. So he's, he's got his gravestone. <laughs> Come on. Along with Jesus, probably, you know, the only two that we probably thought... <laughs> Would, uh, would stay dead, but they didn't. We know Jesus rose on the third day. He, just, he wasn't just in the tomb. He was busy. It says that he went and took the keys from hell and death. Come on. He rose again the third day. There was something upon him. His gravestone now is, is a milestone. And what was rolled away is rolled away in our own life. That he's rolled away death and, and sickness and all that. That we can become who we are because of what he's done. That we can become born again. So here we see Lazarus. He's got his gravestone. But Jesus raises him from the dead. Now he's got a milestone. He's got two. He's like, wow, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Lazarus had both. Jesus can do the same in our own life. He can turn your gravestone into a milestone. What you thought was dead, God can bring to life. God can bring to life. See, Lazarus had to die to be raised back to life again. Because, see, that's what he was, he was famous for. Imagine, imagine that's what you're famous for dying and come back in life again because <laughs> you know so people say so, so Lazarus what, what's about Lazarus well he was dead now he's alive 
that was that was his. That was his great claim to fame. I was dead once and then Jesus raised me back to life again. I mean, it's pretty cool. It talks about there when Jesus was told that Lazarus, it says the one that you love is dead. What did he do? It says that he stayed another two days in the city they was at. And people are thinking, his disciples would have been thinking, hang on, you love Lazarus. You loved him. It's like, and so you, you're staying another two days. I bet you the, the disciples were ready. They were packed, ready to go back. And it's like, Jesus, another, another day, another day, two days now. And then it goes on and says, Jesus was then starting to talk with his disciples and, and, and discussing another ministry trip. It was like, Jesus, don't you really care? Because his funeral, it's like, you know, you loved him. You should have been there. I mean, he's only 12 kilometers away. For goodness sake, I could have been, I could have jogged there in an hour. A little bit quicker if I really... Huh? I mean, Jesus could have jogged it. He, you know, he had his Nike sandals. If he wanted to get there quicker, he could have taken a camel or a something, a, a donkey. Come on. He could, have, he could have been there in less than an hour or at least an hour. He stayed another two days. Then he's talking about another ministry trip with his disciples. His disciples probably thinking, whoa, you're really wacky. But then they would have thought, hang on a sec. Jesus, didn't you say he wasn't going to die? They're probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, we've been following this guy and he's being right on every occasion, but now he's wrong. Oh, what do we do? Do we still follow him? Because he's wrong goes back and of course after four days Lazarus is not just dead but he's stinking dead his his flesh is rotting listen listen to this Lazarus his name means God is my help I tell you what he probably needed God's help he's dead for four days he needs God's help you're dead four days. You need God's help. Look, I did some research on what happens to our body when we're dead. I know you want to hear this because it's really gross. After four minutes, your brain cells start dying. That's after four minutes. After 30 minutes, your skin gets purple and waxy. The lips and finger uh, and toenails fade to a pale colored and they turn white as the blood leaves. Blood pools at the lowest part of the body, leaving a dark purple uh, stain called uh, lividity. I don't know why it's live. It should be dididity. Anyway, I didn't make up the word. Uh, the, the hands and the feet turn blue. The eyes start to sink back into the skull. Come on, that's only after 30 minutes. After four hours, rigor mortis starts to set in. The purpling of the skin and pooling of blood continue. Rigor mortis begins to tighten the muscles for about another 24 hours. Then we'll have the reverse effect and then we'll return to a limp state. After 12 hours, the body is in full rigor mortis. After 24 hours, the body is now the temperature of the surrounding environment. 
In males, the semen dies. The head and neck are now a greenish-blue colour. The greenish-blue colour continues to spread to the rest of the body. There is a strong smell of rotting meat. The face of the person is essentially no longer recognisable. After one day, 24 hours, after three days, the gases in the body tissue uh, form large blisters on the skin. The whole body begins to bloat and swell grotesquely. This process is speeded up. The victim is in a hot environment or even in water. Fluids start to leak out of the mouth, nose, eyes, ears and other areas. This is only after three days. Lazarus was dead four days. So when I look at that, I mean, we can, just, we can just gloss over it. It's like, oh yeah, Lazarus was dead four days and then Jesus raised him back up again. But listen, the, the, the fact is, this is what happens to a body. This is the incredible thing about God. That He can restore every single cell, every single thing that was dead to the point where it's stinking dead where brain cells are gone, where the body is in full rigor mortis, where, where it's, it's, it's decomposing. God can come back and He can say, come back to life. Come back to life. Get up and be restored. Listen, there is nothing that God cannot do. He can bring, if He can bring back a rotting body after four days what can he do to your dream what can he do to your aspirations what can he do to the things that he's he's got on your life the dreams he's got he's got the purpose those things that have been there for for jeremiah i've got plans and i got purposes for you even before you were formed in your mother's womb i already had these he's still got them don't allow them to die because God says it's not dead unless I say it's fully dead. And even, even though it may be dead, God says, if it's not my time, I can, re- I can revive it. I can bring it back from the dead. Come on. Can you imagine the incredible glory that God got at this point? Because Jesus doesn't do anything to himself or for himself. He does everything because his father asked him to do it. He says, I can't do anything unless my father tells me. And he said, I've done nothing unless he's told me to do it. Listen, I bet you there was a whole bunch of dead people because he's in a cemetery. He could have just gone along and said, oh, so-and-so, get, come back up from, from, from the dead. You come back to life. You come back to life. He could have gone and done that. But Jesus said, I can only do what my father says. Listen, God knows you. He loves you. He's put that purpose there. He's got the plans in your life right now. And it doesn't matter how dead they are. It doesn't matter even in the natural how dead those things are. Because God doesn't go by the natural. He's not just caught up with science to say, oh, no, that's right. Of course, I couldn't do that because that's what science says I can't do. God loves to challenge science. Come on. He loves to challenge the laws of the world. 
I'm just going to walk on the water. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. Peter, Peter, get back in the boat. Peter, you're a fisherman. For goodness sake, you know. You know, get, as soon as you get on the water, you sink. Yeah, yeah, I know, but something different today. Jesus has asked me to come out and to, and to be with him. I'm just going to swim out there and just hang onto his hand and tread water. <laughs> hey, Jesus. <laughs> ah, come on. If he, he saw Jesus doing that, it's like, I want to do that. I want, I want Jesus. <laughs> Can I do that? Come. Woo! Yeah, baby. Like, <gasps> yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Come on. We're doing something that has never been done before. We're doing something that the world has said, you can't do that. We're breaking into something that, that the enemy is saying, you can't come in here. I've locked this business up. I've locked this area up. I've locked that job up. You can't get this job. And God says, you just want to see him eat his words. Because I'm about to give you a strategy. Because God says, I'm all over your life. And my favor and my blessing is upon you. And listen, you, you could be at that point of the Red Sea. And God says, watch and see my amazing deliverance. Watch and see what I'm about to do. I'm about to open that Red Sea up. And you're going to walk across. You don't have to walk on the sea. Well, keep that to Peter. Yeah, someone else can take the fame for that. But you, I'll, I'll make sure the seas part. And you won't, you won't go across on the mud. You go across on dry land. As if there was a road already there. Because there was, because only Jesus saw it. Only God saw it. But listen, when we start to see through His eyes, all of a sudden we'll see that situation that's impossible. All of a sudden now it's possible. All of a sudden now it's possible. Hallelujah. We close our eyes right now. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You. Lord, that there is nothing too difficult for You. Lord, I thank you that you want to show yourself strong. You want to show yourself strong in our situations. Lord, I thank you that you have each and every one of us going through places right now, going through situations right now. We're we're at points where, where God was like, we can't do this. Lord, we need a strategy. We we don't know. We're going to die here. Something may already be dead. But I'm prophesying this this morning. That nothing is dead until God says it's dead. And if He says it's not dead, then it's not dead. Come on. Jesus even told... Mary and those ones, it's like, listen, Lazarus isn't going to die. This, his, he, he's just going to be asleep for a while. Well, he was asleep for four days, no pulse. Sometimes we get a word and it doesn't match what we are seeing in the natural. Sometimes it's the complete opposite. Exactly like Lazarus. Lazarus isn't going to die. All of a sudden he dies. Well, pfft throw that word out that didn't didn't work you get a word to say God has made you prosperous all of a sudden you lose your job the next day (laughs) that didn't work throw that one out listen make sure God is finished 
Because if he's not finished, it doesn't matter what is going on in the natural. It doesn't matter what is going on in your situation. If God isn't finished with it, you keep going. You keep believing. Don't go by feelings. Don't go by what you see in the natural. God says, go by what you see in the spiritual realm. Go by what you're sensing in my spirit right now. Father, I thank you that you are stirring each one of us up. That, Lord, that we'll look at our situation differently. That, Lord, that we'll go out as the Israelites went out, ready for battle. And, Lord, we'll keep that readiness. And we'll be stirred up, oh God. Doesn't matter what will come against us. We'll say, this could be the end. But I tell you what, it's not going to be my gravestone. It's going to be my milestone. You've got milestones for us up ahead. And, God, if we don't, if we just settle for what we sense and what we pick up in the flesh, then there'll be, that will be our gravestone. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to show you off. And that my walk with you is going to be littered with milestone after milestone after milestone after milestone. And where the enemy is telling you, you cannot get in here. What is it? What is it that you're wanting the breakthrough into? What is it that God has said, this is what I've got for you? What is that place? The enemy is saying, you can't get in here. You're so weak, the blind and the lame will stop you from getting in. You're so weak. And God is saying, <laughs> watch the pride and the arrogance of the enemy fall. Because you will take whatever it is that he's trying to stop you from taking. That is yours. I've got it for you. I will give you a plan. I will give you a strategy. And God says, do it. Do it first. Do it first. Above all your concerns, above all your thoughts of maybe it won't work or I don't know about this. Do it first. And then tell me if it didn't work. (laughs) Do it first.